My name is Trey. I am your discipleship pastor. Last week we talked about discipleship. And Lord willing, um, everything we do as a body really is going to be about discipleship in, in one way or another. Whether that is going out and making disciples who aren't yet disciples and bringing them into the family or teaching new believers how to walk with Christ or training existing believers how to mentor and disciple other believers. Whether that's the teaching of the Word or the songs that we sing that teach us rich doctrine and help us to worship God rightly or whether it be our small group ministry that we changed from connect groups to discipleship groups. We changed the name because we want to really communicate that we are trying to focus on making disciples. All that we do really is about discipleship. It's about sanctification. It's about growing in Christ. It's about knowing God. And so um, tonight, we're going to look at a passage that will show us some things that are expected from Scripture of healthy disciples for some indicators, um, if you will. We'll see some things that we need to be fighting and warring in our Christian life, and we'll see some things we need to be emulating in our life. So we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3. You'll see a lot of the stuff that we see tonight in several of Paul's epistles, and probably in the future, as I have chance, we'll walk through those as well. But in the book of Colossians, Paul follows a similar pattern that he does even in Ephesians, there's this prayer and this thanksgiving. There's this, this reminding of the, the richness of the gospel. And there is this, uh, this call to us as the body to mature in the gospel. There is the explanation of who we are now as followers of Christ. And then there's this transition, if you will, of what we should be doing, what it should look like in our lives as those who have repented of our sin, turned from our ways to God's ways, and trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It should change us. It does change us. When we go from spiritual death to spiritual life, we are changed. When we surrender to the Lordship of Christ, we take ourselves off the throne of our heart and Christ is on the throne of our heart. It changes us. It changes everything about us from the inside out. Now, I think sometimes we get frustrated in our Christian life because we try to, to change ourselves from the outside in, if that makes any sense. You know, legalism and trying to do things without that, that overflow of Christ. And it can be confusing because Scripture is so clear that we are powerless to change ourselves. It's got to be God. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. However, we are challenged, called, and commanded to join Him and partner with Him in that sanctification process. It's two sides to the same coin. So tonight we're going to try to look at both of those sides a little bit. Charlie, you want to write for me tonight? Y'all know Charlie? Charlie Brand is our, uh, one of our pastoral uh, ministry interns. He does a lot of work around here. He's up here often, even when he's not technically on the clock. Um, man, he, he works. Poor Charlie. He catches all the stuff nobody else wants to do, and he does it with a smile. Um, I'm thankful for Charlie. Um, Charlie's been coming to the jail with me some, and we've been walking through this process you see, God, man, sin, example, command. We talked about the sword method, right? You remember, if the, the Word of God is called the sword of the Spirit, and if you're holding a sword, it points up. That reminds us to ask the question, what do we learn about God? Well, man is holding the sword. What do we learn about man? And then on one side, is there a sin to avoid? Or on the other side, is there an example or a command to follow? And it's a simple, inductive Bible study tool. You can ask as many other questions as you want. But... If all you do is read the Word and never think about what's there, this tool will take you to the next step. It'll help you process what God's Word says. 
It'll help you study it better. And then not just be hearers, but doers of the Word, right? When we read the Word, we want it to transform who we are. So, I'm famously long, long-winded, uh, known for um, long introductions, but I want to be clear, right? So, I'm going to begin reading. We're going to read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And I want you, while we read it, I want you to be thinking about these questions. I want you to be thinking, in this passage, what do we learn about God? Or mankind? Or sin? Uh, or examples to follow or commands to obey? Okay? So, Colossians 3 verse 1. If then... You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, oh, sorry, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. By the way, the passions can be translated lust, the covetousness can be, uh, sorry, could be greed, which is idolatry. Verse 6. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. All right, let's pray. Lord, there's a lot here. There's a lot here, and it's rich. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Holy Spirit, guide our time together. Help us, please help us, to see who You have called us to be. And Lord, help us to live it out. God, Use the obedience and the sanctification and the transformation in our lives to glorify your name, to show others the power of your gospel. God, we thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your love. We thank you for choosing us. We thank you for loving us. We thank you, God, that you can constantly set us apart and make us holy. We rest in you. 
And we praise you. And we ask for help to understand your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. There's an awful lot here, y'all. So let's just start at the top. I need your help. This is not, is going to be me all night. I need help tonight, okay? So what do you see? Maybe in the first paragraph, what do you see? What do we learn about God? And let's, let's do this, okay, just for help. What do we learn about mankind? Can be mankind in general. It could also be sinful mankind, or it can be redeemed mankind. So we'll keep that in mind as we go, because there's some things we learn about mankind in Christ in this passage that I think is worth noting. Um, so what do you see in this first paragraph about God? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Jesus is going to come back. Okay? So, verse, where are we at? Verse 1, Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You can abbreviate as needed. Christ is risen. Amen. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Sorry? Stand up. <laughs> God's wrath is coming. God is wrathful and He, he will judge. That's right. You know, we cannot separate we can't just choose all the attributes that make us feel good. God's a, a holy God. And part of that is His wrath against sin, right? And against sinners. It's almost like uh, when you read the first part of it, it's like, I guess a good example to me would be if you've got in a tub and part of the water's dirty and you keep taking that bath, you're never going to be fully clean. Yeah. You've got to clean it up from head to toe. Yeah. And there's only one way to get clean. That's right. Um, he's our life. Mm. Christ, who is your life. Yep. He gives us life is basically what it's saying. Christ gives us life. Uh, all right, let's go to the second paragraph. <laughs> verse, verse 10, He's the Creator. <laughs> What about verse 11? What do we learn about Christ? What does that mean? And the, so the context right here, He is. He's all and He's in all. There's, there's no divisions in the body of Christ. For those who are in Christ, He unifies us, right? Because there's, there's definitely a context speaking of unity. There's no difference between Jews or Greeks. Well, there were a lot of differences between Jews and Greeks outside of Christ, right? But inside of Christ, we are in Christ. We are, he's in us, and therefore we are unified in Christ. Um, okay, what else do you see about God? Let's move on back. Let's move on down to verse 12 or so. Where do you see that? Thirteen, as the Lord has forgiven us. That's an example to follow too, and a command to obey. <laughs> uh, yeah. What does verse twelve talk about when it's when it when it's calling us? So I'm reading a book by John Piper. It's called, I think, this momentary marriage. And it is so good and rich. I highly recommend, well, I haven't finished it, but I generally highly recommend Piper. And he takes the, the first couple words in this verse 12, and in typical Puritan fashion, just rings every word, rings every meaning, bit of meaning out of each of these words. And I gloss over it so easily. He says, 
put on then as he's talking to us as God's chosen ones. So he says, we're chosen by God to be in Christ. We have been forgiven. We are saved. Adopted. Yeah. And then holy and beloved. Sanctified. To be holy means to be set apart. He has set us apart. He has made us holy. He considers us completely, completely forgiven. We are set apart for His pleasure and His good purpose. And then it says beloved. Well, what does it mean to be beloved? It means He loves us. Have you gotten your mind around that yet? That God loves you? If you're chosen, if you're in Christ, if you've been set apart. You don't have to earn His love. You can't earn His love. You, you don't have to be good enough. We can't be good enough. We're not lovely people. He knows the depths of our heart, as the song says, and loves us the same. It's hard to get my mind around the fact that God loves me. And then you think, well, you know, if somebody compliments you and you say, well, you don't, know, you don't know me as well as I do. You can't say that to God. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And He loves us. He knows our deepest, darkest thoughts. And He loves us. He knows when we disobey Him. And He loves us. That's huge. He loves us. Put that on there for me. Verse 12, He loves us. God loves us. What else you see? About God. He's forgiving. We got, yes sir. What about verse... 15. Peace. He gives peace. Peace of Christ. He gives peace. He calls us into His body. Verse 15. Yeah, we, we definitely need to be thankful. We're going, to put, we're going to put that under, I guess, an example or a command. It's actually a command to be thankful. <laughs> you know the best way to fight ingratitude is gratitude, right? The, the, the best way to fight greed is to be generous. The best way to fight discontentment is to be grateful. To, you know, to, to serve other people is, is a great way to be reminded of what we have. But to thank God. I, I'm going back to the jail. I was visiting a guy in the jail the other day. He feels like that he doesn't deserve to be there. And he does. But apart from that, we were looking at Philippians 4 about instead of being anxious, choosing to pray, right? And then the peace of heart will guard your hearts and the peace of God will guard your hearts and mind. Well, what, we, what the passage says, be anxious for nothing but with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And he said, I just don't feel very thankful. I said, well, let's, let's just stop there for a minute. What are some things that you can be thankful about? And he had a lot to list. You can have things to be thankful for no matter what you are. And, and no matter what circumstance you're in, we have things to be thankful about, right? Anyway, that's even on examples. I done got sidetracked. All right, we're running out of room. Anything else that you want to say that we, in this, this passage? He gave us His Word. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Yep. And we're going to put that under sin. Um, he does. He has a standard. That's right. That's right. 
Amen. Amen. And you're right. I, yes, ma'am. It's common now. We've drifted very, very much away from. I, yes, ma'am. Well, you keep praying. Keep praying. All right. So, what about man? Anything you see about mankind in these verses? Sorry. Okay. I'm going to put that under command. I know this is, I'm not trying to be nitpicky, but just to see, to see how this unfolds. Okay, so those in Christ have been raised in Christ and are, are dead to who we used to be. We've died in Christ and we've been raised in Christ, which is the picture of baptism, right? To be buried with Christ, the old man's dead. Old man is dead. The old tray, praise God, is dead. He keeps trying to, the old tray keeps trying to come back out. <laughs> Got to keep putting him off and putting him down and letting him stay dead. But the new tray, praise God, has been risen. The old has passed away. We've been raised with Christ. Any just other, like, this is going to be more general stuff about just mankind. It can be those outside of Christ, inside of Christ. Wandering minds can be, can't it? There's a, we wouldn't have to be reminded to put our eyes on our minds on Christ if we didn't wander or focus or lose focus. Um, maybe we put what are we gonna put on there, Charlie? How you gonna put it? Come on, Charlie got it. What else? Let's say sinful. We're sinful. <laughs> he's going to. We're, we're going to get the sin in a minute and he's going to write it all. What verse is that? Five. Sinful. Come on, Taylor. It's an example, a command. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I'm picking, I'm picking on you. <laughs> we're going to save it. Um, I think can you can we say something along the idea that we can be saved? <laughs> uh, because he's he's Paul is ac accusing everyone here of once walking in these sinful ways, right? Everyone is saying you used to walk in these you used to once walk. We're what? Redeemable. Redeemable. What did you say, Mr. Alvin? We were called. That's good. So you can say redeemable. And you can say called there. Well, you can say called for 16. And then Miss Jeannie said redeemable. She's helping me out. <laughs> we will be with Christ in glory. Those who are in Christ. Those whose lives are hidden in Christ will be with Christ in glory. That's verse, you said four? Verse four. So verse 10, we are being renewed in knowledge after the image of our Creator. Yeah, it's Creator, but speaking of the new self. So, um, it is possible for us to have harmony. Um, it's possible in Christ. And we're going to say, even more specifically, when we get to these examples and commands, to say this is, this is something we should be doing, right? Um, so, there's one in, we're made one in Christ. There's no, yeah, there's no difference. Like verse 11 there's no 
There's no division. There's unity in Christ. There's oneness in Christ. What about, where's the, the part that speaks of God's wrath? What's that talking about? So mankind, those who are not in Christ, are under God's wrath. Verse 6. Verse 12. Those in Christ are holy and loved by God. Talking about being chosen by God and holy and beloved. We can have peace in our hearts. That may be a command too. It says, let the peace of Christ rule. Taylor, I'm going to put myself in check on that one. I'm going to save that for command. When I was saying that we can have peace. Well, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So we need to let it. <laughs> we were called in one body. Uh, okay. What about sin? You ready, Ryan? You ready, Charlie? Sin. So don't live for the, the, the world, the ways of the world. Verse 2. Um, what about, do you see any examples of sin in this passage? Alright. Sexual immorality. Lust, impurity, So you got impurity, sexual immorality, uh, lust, which the passion is lust. The impurity is moral filthiness. That that sounds like our society, doesn't it? Moral filthiness. Sexual immorality. Half these commercials these days, you can't tell what they're trying to sell because <laughs> it's just so filthy. You know, it's like, that, what does that have to do with that product at all? Evil desire. Greed. Instead of covetousness, we'll say greed. Which is idolatry. Lion is lion is is listed in here. That's right. That's right. Verse six it says that the wrath of God is coming like to the earth. Right. Sin's gonna be punished. Sin sin brings punishment. Wrath. Uh, did you get lion, Charlie? Yeah, where was that? In verse nine. And then in verse eight we've got anger. Wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. You know, 
I was thinking about this on the way when I was driving my, I went back to the house to pick the kids up and driving back up here, just kind of meditating on this passage. And I remember, you know, now I'm working inside a, a church, praise God, we don't have a lot of obscene talk and slander and malice and, and those things. But I remember when I was working in more of a secular situation, well, not more, it's very secular, doing maintenance work, you know. And I just, I remember constantly after the Lord saved me, I'd worked there for a little while and was completely not living for Christ. And then Christ saved me and was changing me and sanctifying me along the way. And it got to the point where I really think people thought I was just naive because I wasn't talking the way they talked. And if they, I wasn't wanting to participate in slander and in malice, I would be trying to look at the bright side instead of the negative side. And, and the world sees that almost as naive, being naive. You know, does, you know what I mean? And we don't want to look naive, right? But we should be naive to evilness. We should, we should be innocent. We should be babies when it comes to, to those things. We don't need to, to, I don't mean naive to those things. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? We, we should live in a way that is not, that looks naive if, it's, if that's what it takes, you know? Yes, sir. It's a very much a growing pot, sanctification. But if somebody's talking negative, about somebody, they want you to participate. And when you don't, and when you try to flip it around and be positive, then, then you either look like a suck-up or you look naive. You know what I mean? But we're still called, we're still called to, 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 to away from these things, to take these things off. It's like changing clothes is, is what I think this, this metaphor looks like. You know, take that old filthy stuff off, throw it away, and wear that white robe that Christ has put on you. Take off the bad, put on the good. And it's got to be Jesus in us, but we're still called to participate because we can go against that whisper of the Holy Spirit, right? Am I the only one? <laughs> Where you're in that situation and you know that you shouldn't participate, but you feel that, that unspoken peer pressure that you should participate, that you should laugh at those obscene jokes, that you should put up with the slander. Now, I'm not saying we throw a fit and, and, and show our tail every time somebody, you know, acts in an ungodly way around us. Um, you know what lost people are supposed to act like? They're supposed to act like lost people. And they don't, lost people don't need to quit cohabitating. Lost people don't need to quit cussing. Lost people don't need to quit getting drunk and having orgies. Lost people need to get saved. They need Jesus to take the lostness off and to put himself on them and in them. And then they're going to get, and I think, even strategic. But we still need to model holiness and be willing to be seen as naive. You know, it's funny to me. Like, not funny, because I don't want to be respected for any kind of past worldliness in my life. But that people that, that don't know my past assume that I'm naive. But I'd rather them see holiness in me and assume I'm naive than to see worldliness in me and think that I'm street smart, right? I mean, we, we don't want to, to get sucked into that. Sorry. Started preaching again. Lying. Anger. Wrath. Malice. We were talking, I was talking with Mr. David earlier about uh, some road rage that he saw on 55. I understand that. I've been sucked into that. Even as a Christian, I've, I've, I've felt that, 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 that anger, you know? Even maybe wrath because of somebody else acting in a, a, in a harmful, dangerous, foolish way and putting other people at danger. And you know, it's funny because it can be rooted in a righteous anger, but it can get out of control really quick. And we can be self-righteous, and we're not. <laughs> you know, we need grace. And I, sometimes I drive foolish, and I need grace. And I'm not justifying my foolish driving. But it's, it's funny how we so quickly forget how foolish we are when we're pointing our finger at other people. And, and we have to remember, and it talks about it in a minute, we should forgive because we've been forgiven. Aren't you glad that you've been forgiven? 
We need to fast forward. Yes, ma'am. It's a graceful way to show your offense when someone uses the Lord's name in vain in front of you. Share the gospel. It has, which means there's a lot of opportunities to share the gospel. She said, what would be a gracious response or way to, to, to express offense when someone shares the gospel? I think with humility and with, with transparency that it genuinely hurts your heart to, see, to hear someone speak about somebody that you know to be so good and holy and, and, and God in a way that is disrespectful, out of ignorance, at best. And out of just complete demonic influence at worst. They're not thinking about it. I think. Well, and, and so we can point it out. But I think if we do these things with humility, with, with, with genuineness that sets us up to be vulnerable, to say, I don't think you understand what you're doing. And, and let me tell you, I know. I know God, and He doesn't like that. And I want you to know Him. Let me tell you what He's done. Because I used to do it. I used to use God's name. I, when I was a kid, I was taught to never, ever, ever, ever use God's name in vain. But I, the, the further I got away from Christ, and, and as an unbeliever, even away from the teachings of the Bible, I would use His name in vain. I spit in His face. And God demonstrated His love for me and that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. While I was His enemy, He offered reconciliation. And I feel like, again, lost people are going to act like lost people. They need to be, and maybe it's a believer that's just immature that needs to know, like, whoa, that's not cool. And they need to understand what that means. And it's a way for us to pull them aside lovingly, but very directly. Like Big John, you know, when you're seven foot tall, you can, you can, you can speak pretty direct with people. But, but he was so gracious while he shared the gospel. But nobody left there unwarned. You know, I, I feel like it's just a great chance to share the gospel every time somebody does it. And you say, it's more, more common. It's just more opportunities to share the gospel. And if people get right with God, then it's going to change them. Good question, though. Let's, let's try to wrap this up. Um, any more sins real quick? I think we done got down to the putting on, right? All right, what about examples to follow or commands to obey? Come on, Taylor. Verse 2, what you got? Set your minds on things above. Amen. What does that look like? To set our minds on things above. What does that look like? Yeah. To think about eternity. Isn't it so hard to keep our minds focused on things above while living down here? Because we're constantly bombarded. And it's not even necessarily ungodly things. It's just temporal things that steal our focus. We get so bent out of shape over things that are not going to matter in a hundred years, much less eternity. We need to keep our focus on eternity. And, and when you do, the things of earth grow strangely dim in light of His marvelous grace. Sir? Yeah. We got a, the reality. Exactly. Since you have been saved... Live like it. Focus on eternity. We're in a little blip for an eternal existence. Set your minds on things above. Sorry? Loyal? Yeah, yeah. Being loyal to the Word. If, if Christ has saved us, we need to live like it. Right? We need to live like it. Um, that's good. Um, Yeah, do so 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 to do something in the name of the Lord. What is that? Drive like you're saved. Amen. 
Mm. That's right. Right now, Jesus is with us. And when nobody else is around, Jesus is with us. He's always with us. So we need to live like He's always with us. You know, so I love my sweet wife. I wish I would have been a Christian in high school. She was a Christian in high school. And she used to leave enough space between her and the wall when she walked down the hall to remind her that Christ was with her everywhere she went. Isn't that good? He's with you everywhere you go. Act like it. Talk to Him. Do everything as you're doing it for His glory. And you know what? Just about everything else falls in place. (laughs) You know it? Think about it like this. If we only do what's right when the boss is around, then we don't do near as good of a job. And we definitely don't do it with the right motive. But if we do all things unto the Lord, we're going to do a good job. And when we do good jobs, you know what happens? We generally have upward mobility. If you just work as unto the Lord, it's going to end up being a blessing to you. Right? I mean, it's amazing to me how when we spend our money like it's unto the Lord, when we, when we don't go places or go places as unto the Lord, when we have relationships unto the Lord, when we do all things unto Him, it's going to change everything about us, and it's going to be for the better. Even if we get killed for being a Christian, it's still better. <laughs> if we're focusing on things above, right? I can't wait to go to heaven, y'all. I'm tired of this earth. All right, so let's back up. And let's go to verse 5. Amen. Mortification of the flesh. Write that, Charlie. (laughs) You don't hear it talked about much. Mortification of the flesh. We are called to put the flesh to death. That's what we're called to do. How? Starve it out. Beat it into submission. Do whatever it takes take off the old man and kick him while he's down and put on the new man and live in Christ. Put to death the flesh. Put sin to death. Come on, boom. But even, it says, where does it say, verse 5? Put to death what is earthly in you. You know, even though we've been saved and even though we've been set apart and even though we're loved by God and we're sanctified, there's still those desires deep within us Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, idolatry. Those things have got to continually be starved and put to death. And you know, here's a little side note. When we feed those things, they're manifested in our life. When we feed the things of God, they're manifested in our life. And so we have to, we have to evaluate what are we feeding in our lives? Are we feeding the flesh? Are we giving in to the cravings of the flesh? Are we empowering the flesh? Are we reminding the flesh? Are we stirring it up? Or are we avoiding those things that would cause that? And are we in turn starving the flesh but feeding the Spirit and putting on these other things that we're called to put on? Verse 8 says, let me find it. Put them off. That's right. Rid them. Put off the old self. Put off the old self. Verse 8. Put it off. Keep putting it off. This is constant, continual. This isn't a one and done thing. That old self. mm, One day, y'all, that old self is going to be completely done away with. Won't it be good? Won't it be good when we get to heaven And we don't even have to struggle. We don't even have to struggle against sin. It's gone. It's going to be gone. Put your eyes on that. It's going to be gone. Verse 12. Mm. Okay. So, compassion... Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness. And even forbearance, you know, bearing with one another. (laughs) Hey, let's try not to be people that others have to bear with, right? Let's try not to be that guy. 
And let's try to be easy to get along with. Like, there's people in your life that you kind of dread when you see them, and then there's people in your life that you really are happy to see. Let's be the happy to see people, right? Shouldn't we be? If we name Christ, shouldn't we be that person that when people see coming, they're glad to see us coming? Saved people and lost people should be glad to see us coming because they know that we love them and we're kind and we're forgiving and we're gracious and generous with our words. We're not backbiting and slanderous or malicious, but we're gentle and kind and meek. Basically, this is telling us be like Jesus. This reminds me a whole lot of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. It's that upside-down kingdom. It's that fixing your eyes on things above. Not living in this down here, but living up here. You got it all, Charlie? Do not lie. There's a command. Do not lie. Verse 9, Charlie, do not lie. Amen. Be thankful. Verse 15, be thankful. Yeah, and back it up first. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Mm, That'll preach all night long. Put on love, verse 14. Where are you at, Charlie? (laughs) Be thankful. Sorry. I didn't lock it. I'm going to run over you. All right. So we got put on love. We got... um, Y'all help me out. uh, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you. Teach one another. Sing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. (laughs) How about sing? (laughs) Sing praises to God. Be thankful. Yeah, lift lift each other up. So how what would we say? Be one body. Um, don't 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 be prejudiced. Um, status. We we've got status here too. We do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now, you got your sheet. Out of all this, and there's more, I guarantee you there's more that we didn't, didn't list. But see how, how really how simple it is to just walk through and, and draw these things out, figure out where to put it in each category, and then think about, okay, what do you think the main point of this passage is? What do you think? Okay. Sorry. What else? I heard somebody else. Be more like Jesus, right? Okay, let's keep going. Let's let's hone it in. A manual for living. Put on the new self. See, I think. Act like you're saved. Yes, sir. Sorry. I didn't hear you. Man is deficient. I thought you were saying efficient. I was like, I don't think he's right. I don't think he's saying that. (laughs) So I think all of these are on track. I think I would even step it back up and say, just live like you're saved. Maybe the main point, live, live as those who have been called by God. Sub point, put off the old self. Subpoint, put on the new self. And then you have these ways to do it. Boom. Now, what about, how do we put this to practice? This gets very, this is for you. This is your homework. I really want you to chew on this and wrestle with this and think, okay, in my life, what are some of the put off things that are listed that I need to put off, right? There, we all have besetting sins. We all have blind spots and weaknesses. We all have things that we need to avoid intentionally. To stay away from it, right? Mr. Don tells them in CR a lot, if you sit in the barbershop long enough, you're going to end up getting a haircut. If you don't want a haircut, don't go to the barbershop. And that applies into all kinds of different things. 
metaphorically speaking. But what are some things that you need to put on? What are some things that, that you, by God's grace, need to give some attention to and begin to live out like someone who has been saved? Maybe you're not in Christ. Maybe you're not in, maybe your life is so much more identified with the things of, that are not like God that this is a passage that says, bro, you, you're deficient. <laughs> you are deficient. You need Jesus. He's your only hope. So what do we do then? We turn from our ways to God's ways and put all of our confidence in Jesus. And we say, God, I cannot be good enough. I am sinful and deficient, but Jesus is sufficient. And I need your forgiveness. I want to be one of your chosen. I want to be sanctified and set apart and holy. I want to be loved by God. Please forgive me and save me and make me right. You can be in here tonight and having grown up in church, and walked aisles, said prayers, been baptized, and still not be saved? Have you trusted Him? And do you see the evidence? Are you doing war with the old man? And are you putting on the new man? Do you see the evidence of sanctification in your life? I think we probably are over time. So let's pray. Father, help us, every one of us, having studied your word together, to be in awe of your gospel, to be blown away that you love us, and help us to fix our eyes on things above where Christ is seated. The things in our life that we need to put to death, God, give us the conviction and the, and the, the power. You have already given us the power and the victory. That give us the desire. And, and, and the hatred of sin. And Lord, help us to put to death, to mortify the flesh. And help us to live as the new creations in Christ that we are. And show us specific ways that we need to focus on that this week. And God, also for those in this room that may not know you, would you show them their deficiency in Christ's sufficiency? And would you draw them to repentance and into salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.